16, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. What a great prayer. One more chapter in Romans, Paul's getting towards the end of his book and he's encouraging people and he says, I pray that you will have hope. I guarantee that 2020 has not been a season of hope for everybody. It's been, what the heck's going on? We joked as, as a staff, instead of having a snow globe out in the parking lot or a giant Christmas tree or people singing or snow falling, we would have a giant dumpster fire. <laughs> Seriously, we thought of it, like bring it a dumpster and lighten it on fire, and not with the nasty trash in it, but just with some wood, so at least smell a little bit better. But that is what 2020 has been some, to so many people. If you have a Bible, turn to Jeremiah 29. How many went to church camp when you were a kid? A few of us? I've taught a few church camps in my day. Jeremiah 29, 11, if I said, what is it, how many of you know it? I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and peace, not calamity. Why? To give you an expected end, or a future and a hope. Faith, hope, and love remain. Agape love, I hope we have had a lot of sermons on that. Faith is belief in God, basically, in the goodness of God, who he is, what he's done for us. It's the trust in who he is. And we all start at the same place. We start as infants. We start at the foot of the cross. We start as sinners that need a savior and we build from there. And we have a responsibility to build, you know, there's growing faith. Faith is a gift. There's the gift of faith, but faith is a gift that we've all been given to even come to know Christ, but we can grow in our faith. And when we grow in our faith, then we release hope in the world because hope is the promise. I always tell people when they're saying, I need to hear from, I'm the old guy, so I'm kind of like the counselor. Everybody comes to me for counsel. And uh, so I've seen a lot of train wrecks this year. <laughs> Sorry, if you, none of you in this room. <laughs> Nobody online, they are people that don't attend this church. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and the fact is, I keep telling people, you get a word from the word, Bathe it in a time of prayer and season with Jesus. Let him let you ruminate it, you know, chewing the cud. That's why we're called sheep. We bring it up, we swallow, we spit out the bad stuff. Let that word of God begin to ruminate in your heart. That becomes a promise and that becomes hope and hope does not disappoint. I know the plans that I have for you, but I want to talk to you about the context. We talked about it a couple weeks ago in prayer. Pastor Greg and I were dialoguing about it, and he got up and shared about this. We were praying for the city. 
29, chapter 29 is totally out of context. It's basically in the middle of the book, but it's at the end of the story. If you read Jeremiah, it's not in sequential order. It's all over the place. That's why sometimes it's like, what is he saying? Get you something, a good commentary or a Bible dictionary. It'll help you immensely. I've been telling people, you should know Old Testament history. I can't understand this scripture. Yes, you can. You don't want to. Or you don't spend the time doing it. I'm not trying to be mean, but that is a fact. If you study to show yourself approved, he will give you what you need. We all need to know biblical history. We are biblically illiterate. Sometimes we mention stories in the Old Testament. What are you going to tell Obadiah? I never read your book when you see him in heaven. Sorry, Obadiah, I never read your book. It's one chapter. (laughs) You can read Obadiah. Anyway, 29 is out of sequential order. Jeremiah is one of those that basically Nebuchadnezzar says, you can stay in the city or you can go with us to Babylon. He gives them the choice. And he stays in the city to help the people. They run to Egypt. Nebuchadnezzar says, sorry. And he comes in and completely destroys the city. But Jeremiah is back in Jerusalem. Daniel has been taken. Numerous people have been taken. We studied the book of Daniel. They basically left dirt farmers and a couple prophets back in the city. People that didn't mean much to the kingdom of Babylon. And in that context, Jeremiah is writing this letter. Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And then he lists all these people, and because I'm dyslexic, I get words mixed, and I usually call him that dude and that dudette. True story. And so he writes him a letter, and he says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, or the Lord of hosts, says. The God of Israel says to all the captives he has exiled to, notice, he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes, plan to stay, Plant gardens, eat food that they produce, marry, have kids, find spouses for them that they may have grandchildren, multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city that I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it and its welfare because it will determine your welfare. That's 2020, my friends. I've been hearing people talk about that 2021, like miraculously, on New Year's Day at 12.01, everything's going to be better. I want to give you some encouragement. It could be worse. I'm I'm not trying to be funny. It's a fact. I feel as a pastor, I I owe that to you. It could be worse. We don't know what's going to happen. None of you on New Year's Eve got of 2019 said, I cannot wait. This is gonna be awesome. I'm waiting for a global pandemic. I'm waiting for racial unrest. I'm waiting for political mayhem. I'm waiting for Zoom calls. I'm waiting for distant learning. I'm waiting for no church. I'm waiting for Easter to be canceled, birthdays to be canceled, and now they want you to cancel um, Christmas. I know some of you said, I cannot to wait to wear a mask in church. It's going to be so awesome. I want to wear a mask in church. Lord, please help me to wear a mask in church. None of us know what God is educating us for, F.B. Meyer says. 
What was happening in the context of this chapter? You've got to understand the Jewish mind. Even to this day, when Israel gives up land, there's something wrong. To the Jewish mind, land always is equated with promise. The land was promised to Abraham, and they believed God that was where their home was. The land was equated to the promise of God. So when Jeremiah says, stay in Babylon and enjoy it, it totally short-circuits something in their mind. Just like the church needs to have our mind short-circuited by God in the sense of us knowing what God is saying to the church. Give us ears to hear. He's wanting us to flourish in the midst of a global pandemic. He's wanting us to be different than those around us because I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. It's in the context, church, of settling into captivity. We have wanted God to remove anything that's uncomfortable for us, and therefore we have gotten in a worse mess. I'm not saying God wants to make us miserable. I'm not saying that at all, and misery sure does love company. You two bitter people in a church find each other and sit by each other. It's amazing how it happens. I'm serious. But the fact is, we need to understand that God is asking us to flourish in the midst of our captivity because that's when the world is going to see there's something different about the church. And how do we, how do we flourish in captivity? We walk in an understanding of who God is by spending time in the secret place, by understanding the scripture, bringing our life before him on a daily basis. God, what is in store today? What's happening? How should I interpret this scripture? I have told people all my life, Pastor Greg can testify to this, we need to have a word from the word because when time gets rough, the only thing that's gonna keep us is the word of God dwelling in our hearts that cause us to root our feet down and say in the name of Jesus, I'm not giving up any more ground. That is what the Lord is asking for us. And then he goes on, he says, if you seek the welfare, this is so crazy to us. Could it be? Should I say it? Yes, could it be? that Joe Biden's elected president just to freak some Christians out. No, I'm in the sense that we put our trust in government. I've seen it happen over and over. Jimmy Carter was the, the God's man in 76 the first time I voted. There were prophetic words that he was gonna change the world. He lasted four years. I am just saying sometimes we get focused on what God doesn't want us to focus on. We want to be back in Jerusalem. We want to be back where it's comfortable. We want to be back in our city. We want to be back to what we know. And God says, I'm taking you places you know not of. And he says, if we seek the welfare of Fort Collins, we will have peace. If we seek the welfare of our government, regardless of who's president, if we seek the welfare of our nation, if we seek the welfare of that pagan neighbor that drives you crazy because he has a fence two feet on your property and you're about ready to take him to court, all the stupid things that ruin our lives. In the grand scheme of things, I had somebody tell me, an old saint one time, he goes, Gary, you're going to live your life and it's going to be, will it really matter 50 years from now? 
Well, guess what? I can say some things I really thought about in my teenage years don't matter 50 years later. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says in verse 8 of Jeremiah 29. Do not let the prophets, fortune tellers, newscast, social media, newest thing you've heard, some conspiracy theorist who are with you in Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them. God warned them. He says, you're going to be in, Jeru- you're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. How many of you would like to know, oh, in 70 years, it's going to be over? No, I'm serious. In the sense of you have, a, you have an end date. I would much rather have end dates than this open-ended like, I have to trust God. I love end dates. I love like Gary tomorrow at this time, this is going to happen. Because I put all my faith in that's going to happen rather than the God that makes it happen. This is what the Lord says, you will be in Babylon for 70 years. Think of those that were my age. I hope I'm not around in 70 years. Unless I have some type of new body in mind. What about those that were taken captive that were the, the brilliant profs or whatever that were taken that were in their 50s? You're going to die in Babylon. But do this. Build homes. Plant vineyards, have kids, marry off your kids, have grandkids. See, it's not about just me, it's about legacy that God wants me to leave so that the world will know that Jesus lives. We are so focused on our life. What about my kids and grandkids? I'm a grandpa now, we went sledding, it was awesome. I have California kids going sledding. They've only seen snow a couple times in their life and they're going, This is awesome. I'm freezing, but this is awesome. Plant vineyards. Build homes. Raise up kids that know what God is saying. Release them into the nations with a heart that understands that I can hear God today. And I am moving in the Holy Spirit of what God has spoken, even to my parents and grandparents. And I'm living out their legacy, even though they're dead in Babylon. God's going to do something in this nation Because we have Daniels that are willing. Man, we have it so backwards. We think thy kingdom come means there'll never be any problems on this earth. But this is what the Lord says. You'll be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do all the things that I have promised. And I will bring you home again. pagan king by the name of Cyrus is spoken about in the book of Jeremiah, Isaiah. And 70 years later, he he releases the people and they show him in the book, God knew your name, Cyrus. And he releases the people to go back. 
See, our God knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything, church. He knows it. We must trust. That's why I have hope. Because I have seen him do things in my life that only he knew, that only he could do. And it gives me hope for the next time that he can do it again. That's what God's doing. And I will do the things that I promised and bring you home again. Verse 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. See, the context is so different than God's gonna give me anything I want. The desires of your heart means that God has molded you. You're pliable, you're that Play-Doh. He can shape you into whatever he needs for that moment. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do in our church. He wants to get us off the focus of mask wearing or not mask wearing, obeying the government, not obeying. It just becomes second nature that we hear what God is telling us and we obey him and watch him work in our lives and touch a community that so desperately needs him. And then he says, after, listen to this, after the verse of I know the plans that I have for you, in those days, you will pray. Listen, God says, when you pray, I will listen. Malachi, one of my favorite passages says, and those that fear God spoke amongst themselves and God heard. Oh my goodness. You will pray and I will listen. That's verse 12. You will pray and I will listen. That, why don't you camp on that one instead of verse 11? I mean, in that, that's pretty good news. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes, and I will gather you out of the nations where I've sent you, and I will bring you home again in your own land. But we must. That is a promise that's going to happen, and it happened to Israel. But the fact is, those, listen, those that survived the captivity were those that embraced the captivity. And I'm not saying kesarasara, anything that comes your way. I'm talking about embracing those times. What are we talking about in James? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter trials. How does that happen? It happens because we embrace what God is doing in our life. One of my favorite things to do is Jocko's podcast. I don't know. He's a Navy SEAL. I listened to his podcast. I read his book. It's just like, holy cow. This guy doesn't, by his language, it's obvious. He doesn't really know Jesus. <laughs> but if people can do that for love of country and love of their fellow soldier, can't we do it because God has loved us first? On the screen is the Passion Translation of that Romans passage. My prayer for you. My prayer for you, Vintage. My prayer for you that are listening online. My prayer for those that may hear this. 
Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope. Where does hope come from? Told the first two gatherings, I watched a football game. The guy had hope on his jersey. Some of them had other racial causes and social justice causes. I wish we could just wear it on a football jersey and it happens. We've got to go to the source. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you've trusted in him. You know why I need this prayer? Because sometimes I'm a wreck and I don't have peace and I fret and I worry and I stew and I get mad and I'm bitter and I'm angry. And that's just a Karen. (laughs) She would say the same thing to me. Perfect peace. If you don't know who Karen is, it's my wife. And may the power, listen, seriously, may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate hope. And our nation needs hope. Our nation needs hope. We need, as believers, to radiate. Literally. We walk in, as Pastor Greg always says, I didn't know what King Supers was. I'd listen to podcasts until I moved here. You go into King Supers and people know there's something different about you. You walk into CSU, they know there's something different about you. Why? Because you like COVID? You like the restrictions? You like everything the government's doing? Absolutely not. But you have your mind on him and you have perfect peace. And you radiate hope. Pastor Greg.